Monday Night Football. Are you guys ready? A lot to get into in this jam-packed edition of the Chief Zone Podcast. Thank you guys for downloading and listening to the podcast. I am Farzim Vesuvian here for another episode of the Chief Zone Podcast. You guys can interact with me on social media, facebook.com slash Farzim Vesuvian. Follow me on Twitter at Farzim21. You guys can also email me, Farzim at FarzimVesuvian.com. Can't waste any time. Got a lot to get into. Matt Miller of Bleacher Report, one of our common guests here on the Chief Zone Podcast. He will be joining me later on in the podcast to discuss Alex Smith, Kareem Hunt, and the new kicker for the Kansas City Chiefs, Harrison Bucker, plus a couple of other topics that we'll get into with Matt Miller. I also want to talk about the Kansas City Chiefs being on primetime football four times this month. I'll tell you why the NFL has got to be so glad that they picked the Chiefs now, knowing what we know about this team right now. Plus, Previewing the big game on Monday Night Football between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Washington Redskins. A lot to look forward to in that big matchup. Both teams coming off big wins. And now with this Monday Night Football matchup, there's one key matchup that I think could cause some problems here. And I think Chiefs fans need to be aware of that. And how do the Chiefs work around that? I'll tell you what that is. Plus, I'll give you guys my score prediction. Plus... As always, we'll wrap up the show going around the NFL out of bounds, and I'll throw my penalty flags. Guess what? Another airline issue. Another airline issue. You guys remember this? This was like a hot trend uh, earlier this summer with, with uh, I think it was United that started off doing something. I don't even remember who it was. Everybody remembered that one airline. I think it was United. But then there were other airlines that just came into play. Like, here, hold my beer. Let's make things ten times worse. Uh, it, it just turned into a mess. Now, uh, something else has happened. After a couple of months of silence with with airports and airplanes and the drama that's ensued over there, something else has happened recently. I'll tell you what happened and something kind of comical that occurred during that incident. So we'll touch on that later on in the podcast. Appreciate you guys, by the way, uh, for all the interaction that we've had Uh here on the podcast and on the Facebook and, and, and Twitter pages uh, on, on Facebook. For those who operate a Facebook page, uh, you guys already know this, but there have been a lot of discussions the really this month uh, since football season's kicked off. And a lot of it has to do with the 3-0 record. But look, I, I'm not going to lie and sit here and say that there's another topic that's been more dominant. A lot of people are, are saying, why are you talking about this? I don't want to hear this. Well, look. Uh, when I worked for 610 Sports Radio, the motto at 610 was, we're talking about what, what listeners are talking about, what sports fans are talking about. And the two the, the two biggest posts so far uh, in this early young season has been about the protests. And last podcast, I really opened up about some personal things that I've dealt with with, with uh, racial comments and uh, got a lot of kind comments from you guys on that. I really do appreciate it. Uh, I, mean, I mean, look, uh, nowadays... I only get these kinds of things on Twitter. And again, it's just people who cowardly say these things behind their keyboards. But uh, there are a lot of people who deal with this face-to-face, unfortunately. And uh, and it's not right. So, uh, look, I'll touch on this a little bit more. A couple of reactions that I do want to say because this is not going to go away anytime soon. I'll save it for the Around the NFL segment. So, uh, look, I don't want to get into it anymore. I'm sure this is going to come back, though. And we may discuss this further on, but... Uh, look, I know this is not a topic that people are excited to discuss uh, here on the podcast, but it is the biggest story. I mean, it's a, it's a lead story in our country, unfortunately. So, uh, I mean, these topics just cannot be avoided. And, and hopefully, sooner rather than later, we can 
listen to one another and come together and find solutions on these things because that to me is that's the solution right there and i i don't think people think that unfortunately we live in a society where people don't think rationally and logically and that's what leads to this big divide and this big disconnect we have with our country uh you know whether it's politically i I mean really a lot of it's actually political I, i mean let's just be honest um we we watch sports to have fun and get away from all this BS and all this crap. And unfortunately, it's uh, it's found its way into the NFL. Uh, it, could it f- happen in other sports? I mean, we got the MLB playoffs coming up. The NBA season's coming up. And we know that it, in the sport of basketball, there are a lot of African-American players. And, uh, you know, who knows what the reaction could be, especially with LeBron James getting a lot of attention, a lot of praise from a lot of people in his response to Donald Trump uninviting uh, Stephen Curry, a guy who pretty much declined the invite, uh, declined to join the White House. Uh, but regardless, uh, you know, we'll move on. Like I said, we'll touch on the subject a little bit later, uh, including with Matt Miller. I, I do want to ask him one question about that. And speaking of Matt Miller, I do want to say uh, in the early part of the interview, there was a little bit of an issue with, uh, with the uh, telephone service there. Yes, believe it or not, 2017, we still have uh, issues with uh, phone uh, phone connections. I mean, who, who would have thought that in 2017? But uh, he cuts in and out, but it does get better. So uh, do be patient with that. He does say a lot of great things that you'll definitely want to hear on the podcast. Before we talk to Matt, I do want to touch on the Chiefs getting four primetime games in the next five weeks. Actually, I want to talk about four of the next six games. Because here's the schedule. You got Monday Night Football against the Redskins. Of course, we're going to preview that. I'll give you my prediction later on in the podcast. Then after that, you got Sunday Night Football at Houston. Then you have a regular Sunday game at home against the Steelers. I'll get back to, to that one in a moment. Then you got a Thursday Night game against the Raiders, followed by a Monday Night Football game. You've got 11 days to prepare for that uh, against the Broncos on October the 30th. The Chiefs play on primetime football four times this month. The following week after they play the Broncos, the Chiefs will visit the Cowboys for a 325 kickoff game. I mentioned 325. I want to go back to that Steelers game. That's also a 325 kickoff. So four of your next six games are going to have a large audience. And given that the Chiefs are 3-0, they're going to put the A-team broadcasters for the Chiefs. So it's very possible that Jim Nance and Tony Romo call both the Steelers game and the Cowboys game. If I'm not mistaken, I did see a report that Tony Romo will for sure broadcast the game between the Chiefs and the Cowboys. I read online that was supposed to be his first game, but he obviously has already started. So I don't know if that was you know fake news or what that was exactly. Regardless, the Chiefs are going to be given the uh, more than likely, assuming they keep this up, they're going to be given the announcing crew of Jim Nance and Tony Romo for those two CBS games, as long as they keep this up. And if they do get Nance and Romo, they're essentially going to have a large audience because they want to put the best matchups on CBS and Fox in front of as many people possible, especially for these late afternoon games. So Kansas City is going to be on the spotlight quite a lot, even when they're not on primetime football. They're going to have a large audience watching them for the next six games. 
that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And I think the NFL is going to be really happy with the way they've built this schedule for the Chiefs. It could not have come at a better time. They're 3-0, and the hottest team in the AFC, and they've got arguably the most exciting player in football in Kareem Hunt. Yeah, they also got another exciting player in Tyree Kill, too. Let's not forget about that guy, either. But Kareem Hunt, more specifically, this guy's just been like a, a, a fantasy spectacle. ESPN has this funny segment each week on their Facebook page where Kareem Hunt has a special message for fantasy football owners, which is always funny to see. I mean, there are so many funny Kareem Hunt stats out there and some crazy ones. Here's one, by the way. I think I need to do like a segment for this, have it sponsored, and have like some sort of music in and out each time I do this. But this is your Kareem Hunt statistic of the episode. He has more rushing yards with 401 total than 26 other NFL teams. He is outrushing 26 NFL teams. How, how do you how do you how did this guy fall to the third round? That's one thing we're going to talk to about with Matt Miller. But overall, I mean the whole thing with Kareem Hunt and how great he's been. Tyree Kill, we remember that he shined the most on primetime football for the Chiefs with his special teams return touchdowns. So this could not have come at a better time for the NFL to have the Chiefs be on either primetime football or have 3.25 p.m. kickoff games because at the end of the day, everyone wants to watch good football. They want to watch the most exciting players, and the Kansas City Chiefs have the most exciting players, and hopefully Travis Kelsey can turn it up because he's a guy that's got to step up for the Chiefs right now with a lot of big games. These primetime games are always supposed to be big. Now, occasionally, you'll have a Thursday night game or a Monday night game that gets scheduled, and it turns out that the NFL wish they could have had a do-over on that because given of how the season's gone for either one of those teams or both of those teams. But for right now, I mean, you've got... uh, These aren't cupcake teams, man. Uh, You've got the Redskins. You've got the Texans. And then you've got two divisional games on primetime with the Broncos and the Raiders. So these are not easy games that the Chiefs are going to be playing. And the Steelers and, and the Cowboys, I mean, those are never easy games either. I mean, those are two of the most decorated franchises in, in NFL history. And even now, I mean, they're doing pretty well. I know the Cowboys kind of off to a slow start, but still, you can never count them out, especially when you're on the road visiting the Cowboys. So a lot to talk about with these games as they come along each and every single week. So we'll talk about those, of course, as we do. We'll preview them, and I'll give you guys my predictions. It's, it's going to be a fun month for the Kansas City Chiefs in October. All the glory you're basically getting, all the attention you're basically getting, it's going to be right there for you to catch. We'll, of course, break down the game between the Chiefs and the Redskins Monday Night Football matchup later on in the podcast. For now, we're going to bring on Matt Miller from BleacherReport.com. Matt is the NFL lead writer and draft scout for BleacherReport.com. I always learn a lot from Matt. Uh, I mean, the guy... Whether you read his work or, or, or if I'm listening to him do an interview elsewhere or whether he comes on the podcast, I'm always learning something from Matt. He's got such a great knowledge of the sport. Uh, Matt, I know you're, you're, first of all, you got a crazy schedule. So I really do appreciate you coming on. I mean, you're on so many media outlets each and every single day, uh, people wanting to talk to you. So for you to come on this podcast does not go unappreciated. I appreciate you making some time for us. Uh, I know you've got a crazy schedule on Sundays and Saturdays, plus a few days here and there with, with Monday Night Football and a c- couple of college games elsewhere on other days, Thursday Night Football for the NFL. Uh, I, I'm sure your uh, your schedule is pretty busy, but nonetheless, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for being on. How have you been, my friend? Man, I've been well. Thanks for asking. Um, 
it, football season is weird, you know, it's like I, you look forward to it all summer, you know, and then it comes back and you're like, oh, my God, I can't wait for summer to get here again. So it's like, I mean, I'm, I'm very, very happy football season's back. You know, it's, it's obviously something I miss when it's gone. But I actually someone I was texting with someone this morning and they were like, said something about doing something on October 2nd. And I was like, well, that's like a month away. Why are they texting me about this? And then I was like, oh, my God, that's next week. So um, it just it goes by so fast. It, you know, it really consumes so much of your time. But, I mean, I don't think any of us who work in this industry would rather have it any other way. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I've been around this industry for a while as well. I've done the podcast for 10 years now. Uh, and it's always been a lot of fun. Just being able to, to talk football. Uh, and also working for various outlets, always been a lot of fun. But uh, Matt, you you live in Missouri. You are surrounded by a lot of Chiefs fans, so you are not a stranger to all the excitement going on right now. What well, what's your take on all of this? Three and zero, the only unbeaten team in the AFC. What's your take on the Chiefs and this hot start so far? It's it's great, and you know, like you said, I you know I've lived in Missouri almost my entire life. I lived in Kansas for a year. So, um, you know, I've always been in this area, but none of my family is Chiefs fans and, and only two of my friends are. So even like in my group of, you know, people I hang out with and stuff all summer, there was a lot of skepticism about if the Chiefs would be good or not, you know, and because my friends listen to my podcast and they read my articles, you know, they're, they're always like, you know, man, like, you know, how do you think the Chiefs are going to be good? They don't have a number one receiver. They don't have offense. They don't have this or that. And I'm just like, I believe in Andy Reid. And I believe in Alex Smith. And I believe in that defense. So it's it's fun to see. And, you know, Kansas City is such a great sports town anyway. And, you know, everyone has always rallied around the Chiefs. You know, the last few years, the world have been competitive, successful, and people have really gotten involved in that. So, it's really just cool to see, especially with all of the colleges around here being kind of down right now. It's it's really yeah. nice to to see, like, there's real excitement about the Chiefs because I, I think everyone expected them to be good, you know, like 10-11 wins. But when you beat the Patriots week one of Foxborough, everyone has that, like, oh, crap, we might be, like, Super Bowl good. You know, if you could take down the Patriots, that says a lot about where you are in the league. So, Fans are always excited, and I think always believe the Chiefs are going to be good, but it seems like there's a little more excitement this year. It's really been a lot of fun to see, and I want to get to Kareem Hunt in a moment and kind of get your take on what you think of him now compared to what you thought before he got drafted. But, man, Alex Smith has looked really good this year. Uh, Just one of, I think, three quarterbacks who has yet to throw an interception that's played since week one, and he's really been playing a lot better and a lot of a lot of people think it has to do with Pat Mahomes, and I get it. It's human nature that you do better when you you see someone else is going to possibly get your job soon. What's the big difference that you're seeing in Alex Smith? You know, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's Mahomes only that as the offensive coordinator. I think there's a lot of different things going on. You know that could be like the the motivation or the the push. Is taking chances down the field better? I also think some of it is, you know, there's a, you know, last week there's a lot of tree on the offense that's helping, and now we do see, I think, finally both weapons that really fit Alex well. You mentioned Kareem Hunt, and you have someone like Tyree Kill, where you have confidence that when you get him the ball, something's going to happen, and you have a safety valve, in Travis Kelsey, and you know because the way most NFL offenses are. You need your threat and your underneath 
Kareem Hunt has just been a stud this year and, and a shock to everybody. A lot of Chiefs fans were looking forward to him, but but no one saw this coming. What he's been able to do, lead the league in rushing and just the crazy statistics that have come out of it uh, so far. Uh, best debut in NFL history. I want to go back to your draft primer that you did in March because you had Kareem Hunt as uh, the 11th best running back going into the draft. And and by all means, I mean there are other people who had similar evaluations to you. I'm curious, what did you see in Kareem Hunt at the time, and compared to now, what's been the biggest difference from him, and how has he improved uh, to be essentially the most electrifying player right now in the NFL? Yeah, you know my biggest worry with Kareem was the lack of speed, um, and you mentioned, you know where he was at. I, you know, you hear that oh he was a I don't remember exactly what ranking he ended up with. I know the grade I gave him was a, a late second, early third round grade. But last year was the deepest running back class I had ever seen. So you know there were you know there were probably five guys or six guys with a second. So back to the original question. My biggest concern though was a lack of speed because having seen him, I saw him in person. You see him on film. He wasn't running away from guys, which is crazy because that's what he keeps doing. You know, it's like every time he has the ball, he finds space and is able to pull away from guys. He didn't do that a ton in college, and he definitely didn't do it as a tester. You know, he was like a four-five-zero guy, I think, in terms of speed. So that is the biggest surprise for me. You know, the things I liked about him, I always thought his balance and vision were were very, very good. Um, you saw flashes in college of him being. Uh, a very good receiver out of the backfield, and I, I think that's continued. You know, it's it's almost like we're seeing all the positives and none of the negatives from him so far. You know, and and it's funny because you know he comes out and fumbles on what like his first carry, and he never fumbled in college. And so you know, it's, and then just from there, you know, he has just really become this exceptional do it all type back. And um, you know, I said four or five earlier. He ran a four six if I remember right now, um, but. It just hasn't shown up. And, you know, I, I remember calling him things like, you know, quick and shifty and, you know, has burst, but he just didn't, didn't really have a long speed um, and could be caught from behind, which I, I do think he got caught from behind against New England uh, a couple of times. But, you know, he's just – it's working really well. It's a perfect marriage of, I, I think, scheme fit and a good offensive line and a quarterback who can get him in situations, you know, whether it's audibling to the, you know, the right kind of run or – checking down to him in the past game, it's it's really just a perfect fit for everything Kareem Hunt does well. And let's not forget, it was Spencer Ware who got hurt in week three of the preseason. Obviously, that changed everything. The Chiefs announced that Kareem Hunt's going to be their guy at running back. And I think, listen, he's a rookie, sure, but they don't make excuses in the NFL. Rookie or veteran, if you're the starter, there are some high standards. And do you think that with that injury, it was a, hey, look, I got to grow up moment. I got to grow up. I got to be able to carry this football team if they're going to rely on me and give me this big opportunity that was not supposed to happen originally. Do you think that's played a role as well in his success? Absolutely. I think, you know, with any of us, you know, if we're given a goal or an expectation, we can usually 
you know, rise to meet that. And I think with athletes, you learn a lot about a guy when you when you do that, when you say, okay, you know, hey, Spencer, wears out. We're going to need you to be the guy. And, you know, maybe that's even why he fumbles so early, you know, because all that pressure and you're a little nervous. But we've seen him settle down. And, you know, I, I think when you when you do know, you know, all these guys are professionals. They do their best to prepare and, you know, and be ready on Sundays. But when you know that you're going to have to be the guy, you, I, I think you can prepare a little bit differently. And then when you have such success week one, you come around and say, okay, I don't want to, I don't want that to be it. You know, I want to, I want to be a long time player in this league and successful. And so then there's the pressure to, to top it in week two and top it in week three. And, you know, then you have that momentum moving forward and then you get in a groove and you're like, okay, well, I could do this. I can handle this level of this you know, type of responsibility and this type of competition. So it, I, you know, it's hard to like say, you know, for sure what, what goes on mentally, whether it's with Alex or Green Hunt or, or Pat Mahomes or whomever, but it definitely seems like you know, he's been pushed in the right way. Matt Miller joining us here on the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Matt, uh, a question from our Facebook page. Ryan uh, wanted to know, and I was going to add this uh, as well, with Cairo Santos being injured and they put him on IR on Tuesday, they grabbed Harrison Butker from the Seahawks, who was a rookie. What can you tell us in your evaluations uh, that, that you had of him this offseason before he got drafted in the seventh round by the Seahawks? Yeah, you know, believe it or not, I do have to evaluate special teams players. Uh, it's it's part of the job: <laughs> kickers, punters, long snappers, um, you know, the whole thing. So I actually looked it up uh, since I knew we were talking about him. I gave him an undrafted free agent grade, um, I, and I really thought that you know he he kind of struggled in that last year. Um, but the, the thing I the notes I do have on him was that I really thought that he was he had the leg. You know, I think his career long was fifty two, so he has enough distance. He was great on extra points a great kickoff guy. So again, the leg shows. Uh, and then that even though he didn't kick a ton because you know, Georgia Tech's not scoring, you know, 80 touchdowns a year, you know, he was, or excuse me, they're not kicking a ton of field goals. Uh, he was very accurate. Um, so those were the things I liked about him, you know, same story as everybody, you know, guy who's a soccer player. And then one day decides he's going to kick, kick a football and it ends up being a great high school kicker. And then, um, you know, started as a true freshman and, and the accuracy, uh, really showed it. he continued to get better year after year. So it's going to be interesting to see. You know, he definitely is, is going to be exciting on on you know, kickoffs. He's going to be exciting on long field goals. It's just about that mid-range accuracy, I think, is where you got to kind of show yourself. But, you know, being drafted as a kicker says that a lot. I mean, it says that, hey, a lot of teams like you, we're worried about you getting away as a free agent, so we're going to go ahead and draft you. couple questions left with Matt Miller of Bleacher Report. Follow him on Twitter at NFL Draft Scout. Matt, Look, the Chiefs have been one of the more successful regular season teams. They've won 25 of their last 29 games, the best in the NFL in the last 29 games since the middle of the 2015 season. Uh, but look, it's just for the Chiefs have great regular seasons, but not great postseasons. Do you think this could be the year that Andy Reid and the Chiefs finally get over that hump and can make it far in the playoffs? Um, gosh, yes, but I, I don't expect it. You know, like if it. If the Chiefs make it to the Super Bowl, I won't be surprised because I do think they're one of the best teams in the NFL. You know, I remember doing an interview with B.J. Kissel at the Combine, and I, I said, you know, I think this might be the best roster top to bottom in the NFL. And I, I should believe that. I really do. But I would be surprised if, when it's all said and done, if they, in January, can compete with New England and Pittsburgh. Um, you know, 
sometimes it's not the best team. It's the healthiest team. You know, at the end of the road, the Chiefs have always struggled to stay healthy. You know, we've already seen it this year with Eric Berry out. So staying healthy is going to be a huge key for them. Um, it, it's going to be interesting. You know, it really is. Those matchups, you know, right there. And, you know, even Oakland has looked a little weird this year, but they're still right there in it, a two-and-one. So I'm excited to see those matchups. You know, on paper, the Chiefs look like they should be able to beat Oakland just because of the Raiders' weakness in the secondary and lack of speed versus the Chiefs, you know, being such a, a really prolific offense right now. So see how they handle those teams, you know, how they handle – uh, the Denver pass rush and secondary, and then you know Pittsburgh, and if they meet New England again, you know, we all know that New England's a different animal in January than they are in September. Um, especially when you come out and it's the opener, and you know Brady's barely played in the preseason, and and you have someone like Edelman go down. I, I would I would think it's a safe assumption to say that by January, Bill Belichick will have that team playing a little bit differently than they were in Week One. Final question with Matt Miller from Bleacher Report. Uh, Matt, you of course heard what Donald Trump said last Friday and just how everything unfolded this past weekend with roughly 180 players uh, protesting during the anthem. I I think the problem with this is uh, whether we agree or not, a lot of people are not listening uh, to either side. And I think that's what's continued this whole discontent. People are, are not aware those that are strongly against this, and I am too, but uh, people aren't aware. They're not protesting the country or the soldiers. I mean, they're protesting social injustice. Now, we can talk all day about how they could maybe do about it a better way, or maybe this is the best way. People have different opinions on this. You're a guy that's been around a lot of players. These players know you. Uh, you've interviewed a ton of them. You, you've been around a lot of them. I mean, you just have a great knowledge of the game, and, and a lot of NFL players have a lot of respect for you. I'm curious if you can maybe kind of take us into their minds a little bit. If you can maybe, just an open floor mic, open mic for you. What light can you shed on this topic that people maybe not are aware of, and, and they should be when it comes to why the players are protesting? Yeah, I, I think you said it well there. And, you know, anyone who's followed me on Twitter for a minute knows, you know, where I stand politically. But I'm also, you know, the son of a veteran and someone who tried to join the military in high school and then I uh, got my girlfriend pregnant and couldn't. So, I mean, I have a, a huge respect and love for our military and the constitution in this country. But you know, for me, I think where we're like, we're maybe it's us as the media, maybe it's, you know, us as a population, maybe it's the players. There's some kind of disconnect, you know, between what they are actually protesting and what we're hearing and what we're seeing, you know, and on Sunday morning, you know, we had a conversation, a lot of us writers, uh, Bleacher Report, and I was like, what What good can we do today? Instead of just fanning the flames of this, how can we actually help? And so, you know, Sunday, I opened up my Facebook, my personal Facebook page, and was just like, hey, you know, if anyone has questions about what's actually going on, why these guys are protesting, let's have like a, a cool, like friendly dialogue about it. And it, it felt like it really helped. It felt like people learned, you know, that the players aren't protesting the anthem, and they're not protesting the flag or the, the country. They're They're protesting a you know, injustice in this country that it's 2017 and there's still not equality and that white privilege is a real thing. And, you know, I say that as a a 34 year old white guy who's lived in the Midwest his whole life, you know, and it's, I can't walk in their shoes. And so I think it's, it's important for us people, especially, you know, I travel a lot and I, I spend about half my year in New York and it's a different life there. People think differently than a lot of us here in the Midwest do. And I, I think sometimes we have to break outside our comfort zone in Missouri and Kansas and 
and say that like, you know, these people aren't protesting our way of life. They're protesting injustices that we've never had to experience. You know, I went to a high school with you know, no minorities, you know, it was, I think it was like 200 white kids. You know, we, we didn't grow up going through the things that, that African-Americans and other minorities go through. So I, I think that's the big thing is, you know, we can all do better to better understand other people and try to learn about what they're feeling and what they're going through and why they feel it's important instead of, you know, just watching Fox News or looking on Facebook and, and you know, assuming that people are protesting something they're not. Hey, Matt, good stuff. He's Matt Miller of BleacherReport.com. Check him out on Bleacher Report and follow him on Twitter at NFL Draft Scout. Appreciate the time. I know you've got a crazy busy schedule. Appreciate you fitting us in to your schedule. I'm sure we'll keep in touch and we'll have you back on again. Thanks for coming on, Matt. Appreciate it, man. Have a great day. And off he goes. There you have it. Matt Miller from BleacherReport.com. A lot of great stuff from him. And look, he makes some good points, especially in the Midwest. And I just think at the end of the, end of the day, we've got to be more open to listening to one another. But, uh, I mean, look, anything we can do to just go towards solutions. Let's keep this train rolling here on the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Chiefs and Redskins, big Monday night football matchup here. And I'll tell you one thing that I do want to touch on. The turnovers. I mentioned last podcast, what did I want to see from the Chiefs? Two things I really wanted to see from Kansas City in that game. Number one was consistency for four quarters. We did not get that. But the other key that I did mention, we did see, and that was the takeaways. The Chiefs have been very quiet coming into this game with just two turnovers, two takeaways in this game, and Kansas City came away with those three interceptions in this game, and that really helped set the tone for the defense to essentially essentially just limit the, the Chargers and only surrendering 10 points in this game. So Kansas City did a really great job with that defensively, shutting down Phillip Rivers and the Chargers offense. And Kansas City offensively, again, wasn't quite great, but enough to get the job done. And, of course, Kareem Hunt did his thing at the end of the game to pull away with the win. Turnovers, going to be key in this one, too. The Redskins looked awful in Week 1 against the Eagles with four giveaways, allowing the Eagles to basically stomp on them and dominate that football game. Ball security still an issue in Week 2 against the Rams. Three fumbles in that game, but no turnovers. Came away with their first win of the season's. Uh, or the season, excuse me, the Redskins committed a pair of turnovers, both of them being fumbles, and had they not done that, they would have shut out the Raiders on Sunday Night Football. Looking at the Chiefs and their success with with turnovers, they tie third with a plus-four turnover differential. The only fumble was Kareem Hunt's very first NFL carry. And of course, I mean, that, that, that to me is like the... I don't want to. I don't know what what's the right word to use for this. I don't want to say maybe it defined him, but maybe it lit a fire under his tail to say, "Hey, look, you're the starter on this team. I mean, there's no there's no excuses here. You've got to go back out there and make up for that." Now, obviously, he did. He's done just that since then. He's clearly the best player on the team and could be an MVP candidate right now. And clearly, right now, the early runaway for Rookie of the Year. No interceptions so far from the Chiefs yet. The Chiefs have five takeaways. Three of them came this past week against Phillip Rivers and the Chargers. Let's look at the Redskins' defense to start off. Their fifth in total defense. 12th against the pass. Second best in stopping the run. I said earlier in the podcast, there may be one area where the Chiefs might struggle and there could be a problem 
with a certain matchup. And there you have it right there. Second best run-stopping defense behind the Denver Broncos. They have allowed 20 points per game. Top 10 in the NFL in that category. They're behind Kansas City by just a little bit. And the Chiefs allow 19 points per game. Great quarterback in Josh Norman, who I do need to go back to later on in the podcast. He won't have an easy time going up against Tyreek Hill head-to-head. You saw what he did last week against two great wide receivers for the Oakland Raiders. And Josh Norman, a guy who did a lot of great things for the Panthers as well, especially the season they went 15-1 and and went to a Super Bowl uh, playing against the Denver Broncos in Super Bowl 50. And Norman had a big hand in that, especially with that defense. Now with the Redskins and what he's been able to do, definitely making plays on the defensive side of the football, a bright spot for the Redskins defense. And this is a guy who uh, the Chiefs definitely have to work around. You know that he's going to uh, challenge Alex Smith and not give those wide receivers for the Chiefs an easy time. So that matchup between Josh Norman and Tyreek Hill, I think is going to be a very intriguing one because Tyreek Hill has not been very easy to shut down this year. One of the best wide receivers right now in the league and Norman's one of the best cornerbacks. So you've got that matchup right there. That's going to be a fun matchup to see one of the top corners against one of the top receivers. Front seven for the defense, filled with some big playmakers. You got Ryan Kerrigan, Matt Ioannidis, you got Junior Gallette. So some great players up front for that Redskins defense. And Kansas City's pass blocking hasn't been very good so far this season. Mitchell Schwartz, Brian Witzman, uh, guys who just haven't been very good when it comes to pass blocking this year. Alex Smith has been sacked 12 times. That is the second most in the NFL behind Aaron Rodgers of the Packers. They've got a very good slot corner in Kendall Fuller, number 29 for the Redskins. So that's definitely a guy to keep an eye on. And you saw the Chiefs, how much they benefited from having a great slot corner in Steven Nelson. Unfortunately, not available this year for the Chiefs. But nonetheless, uh, you look at what the Redskins have, and I think he's kind of similar to what Nelson was for the Chiefs in 2016. One other important note for this defense, Zach Brown for the Redskins is tied second in the league with 32 tackles so far this season. So one of the better defenses in the NFL and I think Kansas City offensively speaking you've you've got to find a way to stick to your strengths. And even if that means going up against their strengths. Yes, uh you've got Kareem Hunt, the most exciting player in the NFL, maybe the best right now in the league. And he's going to be facing a defense that's been the second best run-stopping defense through three weeks of football so far in 2017. So the 401 yards and the versatility from Kareem Hunt. I think Kareem Hunt will have a hard time in this. I think this could be his biggest challenge. But I think at the end of the day, that fourth quarter takeover that we just constantly see from Kareem Hunt, I think he's going to do that again in this game. I think you're going to see another 100-yard performance from him and a big one too. And it'll be it'll be impressive. And I think being at Arrowhead, considering that you've got the home field advantage and it's primetime football, I think you've got that going too. And I think he's going to be able to light up that Arrowhead crowd in the fourth quarter with a big run. I, I'd love to see another big run like that. He had He's always had those big runs, but it's been on the road against the Patriots, against the, the Chargers. So hopefully he can do that at home at Arrowhead Stadium to see that Arrowhead crowd erupt and be able to ice the game late in the fourth quarter. Now, another matchup to keep in mind, Tyreek Hill going up against Josh Norman and considering what Norman did and the rest of the Redskins' defense to the Raiders 
wide receiver duo. I mean, that that's kind of a scary thought right there. But here's why I'm so optimistic about this is because of the offensive game plan with the coaching staff. You, you, you can never doubt Matt Nagy, who I think is one of the more underrated and unknown offensive coordinators in the game right now. And, of course, you've got Andy Reid, who... Listen, you, 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 the thing about Andy Reid, even though they may not look great for four quarters, they will still battle hard for those four quarters and find a way, somehow, some way, to squeeze out a win. That's always been a characteristic of an Andy Reid football team, whether it's been in Philadelphia or in Kansas City. So I think you're still going to see that. I think at the end of the day, you'll see Tyreek Hill line up kind of similar to how he did it against the Chargers where you line up on one side of the field and then did that cross pattern to come away with a wide open catch going to the end zone. I think he'll be able to do something similar where he can make plays. And of course, look, he's Tyree Kill. You're going to need to use him as a decoy. When they did that in week two against the Eagles in their home opener at Arrowhead, that opened up the door for Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey ended up having a really big game because of Tyree Kill being used as a decoy. So, uh, hopefully they'll be able to do more of that and still keep them active in terms of just being able to catch the ball and get yards out of that, uh, while also being able to distribute the football to other players. So we need Travis Kelsey in this game to definitely step up and come away with big plays. Washington's been pretty good at shutting down players, especially to, at the tight end position. So hopefully this is a, an area where Travis Kelsey maybe doesn't dominate the game, but can at least come away with a couple of catches. And even if it may be two or three If he can move the chains in those situations, then I would consider that a a, a good game. Certainly an exceptional game from Travis Kelsey being able to help the Chiefs move the chains and continue extending drives for them. And I think you you can't forget about Albert Wilson, who, of course, his speed can be a big deal. He's been able to come away with some big plays for the Chiefs. Of course, that, that touchdown against the Chargers to extend the lead 14 to nothing to start off against the Chargers early in the game. I do want to talk about Chris Conley, who, again, I know a lot was talked about him when he came into the draft, the combine he had and all, but we still haven't necessarily seen him rise to the occasion. But the one thing that I will praise him for is that he has been able to come through in the fourth quarter with some big catches to, I mean, not just to move the chains, but also to gain big yards out of and help the offense stay alive in certain drives. So if anything, I mean, if that is Chris Conley's role... uh, Moving on with the season, I mean, if that's really when he comes through, fine. That that improvement is still needed, though, from him. So uh, he, he's showing some flashes occasionally, and you just want them to turn into consistency. Looking at the Redskins' offense, 8th in total offense, 12th in passing the football, and they are 6th attacking on the ground. And they average close to 24 points per game one of the best in the league you look at their three players in the backfield you've got three guys with at least 100 yards this season you got rob kelly who's got 108 yards you got samai perrine who's got 116 yards both by the way are questionable coming into this game then you have chris thompson who was very quiet last game against the raiders on sunday night but he barely just barely leads the team in rushing yards with 119 but he's doing it just off 14 carries. So he's got an 8.5 yard per carry average. By the way, Perrine, he he has 30 carries, or 40, excuse me, for 116 yards. So certainly not very good, averaging a 2.9 yard per carry average. But nonetheless, they run the ball a lot. They like to do that. And given Kansas City hasn't been very good in stopping the run so far this year, 
18th to be exact, allowing 117 yards per game on the ground. This could be this could be trouble for the Chiefs. So I think at the end of the day, you'll see both teams want to utilize the rushing attack. Something we don't often see in the NFL anymore. Seeing both teams be be a run first team. So Kansas City I and Washington, I think I think they're both going to be a team that'll want to exploit that rushing attack and use that to their advantage. Obviously, the Chiefs have the best running back in the NFL right now, whereas the Redskins have one of the best rushing attacks in the league. And they want to keep that going, especially with with Kansas City's weak run-stopping defense. I think there's a chance that you see at least... Uh, well, I think Kareem Hunt's going to have 100 yards for sure, but I think there's going to be somebody on that Redskins backfield, whoever it ends up being... Uh, you know, my guess would be Rob Kelly, or, or excuse me, Chris Thompson. I think you're going to see 100-yard rushers for both teams in this game. No doubt about it. And I would even say both of them could light it up and maybe go for 150 and maybe even beyond that. So I think it could be that kind of a game where neither defense is going to have an easy time stopping the rushing attacks. And you're going to see both teams want to continue to do that as the game goes along. So I think this could be a football game, kind of like a good boxing match, like a good fight where you see punches constantly being thrown back and forth. And I think that's what you're going to see. You're going to see the teams wanting to use the running backs and just punch it into the end zone with with their tailbacks. Try to use that to amass as many yards as you can and try to dominate this game. And I think at the end of the day, it could come down to two things or three things. Number one, who's going to have the better rushing unit? Number two, which defense can come away with the most stops? And the biggest one, and I think this could be a late fourth quarter situation, who can come up with a turnover? Kansas City's been one of the best in the NFL with a plus four turnover ratio. That's the second best in the NFL, as I mentioned. The Redskins, on the other hand, they haven't been very good with turnovers. I mentioned all those fumbles they had. They have five fumbles this year. That they've lost, by the way. So they've lost the football five times on the... um, Just off fumbles. They have eight total fumbles on the season. That ties for second most in the NFL with the Rams. And if you're wondering who's who's in front of them, it's the Chicago Bears with nine. And Kansas City has only had one fumble all season. In fact, that's been the only giveaway this year. And that was that Kareem Hunt fumble. The very first snap of the season on offense for the Chiefs so turnovers I think could be the big factor and I think that could be the biggest difference maker here Kirk Cousins by the way ninth in passing yards while Alex Smith is 10th so very similar in that category Cousins has thrown for 784 yards while Smith has 774 Cousins has five touchdowns and a pick he's been sacked seven times Uh, Smith has thrown seven touchdowns no picks and I did mention the 12 sacks which is the second most in the league behind Rodgers. So I think those turnovers, that's going to be key. And with Alex Smith as your quarterback, and given how disciplined this offense is when it comes to turnovers, I think you can rely on the Chiefs in this one. I'll give that to Kansas City. The rushing attack, I mean, look, Kareem Hunt, is there, what else do you got to say about that? You know that this guy's going to have the edge in this one, even against a very good run-stopping defense. I, I think at the end of the day, even though he'll struggle, I think in the fourth quarter he'll take over and he's going to come away with some big runs to help put the put the game away. And then number three, you, you look at 
Who's the better defense? Yes, the Chiefs are still a bend-don't-break defense. They allow a lot of yards, but they certainly don't allow a lot of scores. So I think even late in games when everyone's tired, no one's 100%, I think the Kansas City Chiefs are going to find a way to come up with some big stops. And perhaps that could include a takeaway to try to silence the Redskins in the fourth quarter and come up with a big win. And that would be huge for the Chiefs to go 4-0 and to finish off week four of the NFL season remaining undefeated and could possibly be the only undefeated team by that point. We'll see what happens with the Falcons, but right now the Chiefs number one in the AFC and they've got to keep that going. I think the defense will have its struggles. I think Kansas City can find a way to move the football. They've got the third best scoring team in the league right now. So Kansas City is going to continue to do that. I think Kansas City will pull away late in this one. I think it's going to be a 31-21 to victory in favor of the Chiefs on Monday Night Football at Arrowhead Stadium. Let me know what your guys' thoughts are on all this. Facebook.com slash Farzin or on Twitter at Farzin21 or you can email me Farzin at FarzinVasugian.com. Let's wrap up the show. Let's go around the NFL. All right, I did say I want to spend this segment just in addition to what I had said last podcast regarding the uh, drama between the NFL and Donald Trump. Recently did say uh, in a press conference, well, not a press conference, he was walking as he was talking, says the NFL business is going to, quote, will be going to hell without changes. And the, quote, disrespect towards the country. I mean, look. I, tell me, this guy's talking about disrespect, but look at look at the things that he has said and done. And, you know, he, he, he says the media is too negative and they're fake news and all, but look, he won't talk about positive things either, especially with the NFL and what the NFL's done. So, you know, for, for, for a president who really loves to bash the media for being too negative, let's, you can't have it both ways, man. You just can't. Look at J.J. Watt and what he's done. Raising nearly $24 million to help the city of Houston recover uh, from Hurricane Harvey. And let's not forget the NFL and everything it's done. Raising money to help the efforts in recovery for Hurricane Harvey and Hurricane Irma. I mean, are we really going to sit there and forget about that? Let's look at other things that really... I mean, you want to talk about disrespect for the country. Look at the Westboro Baptist Church. Being in Kansas, not too far from KC. Look at the Westboro Baptist Church. And what they've done to disrespect families of fallen soldiers, picketing their funerals, doing these ridiculous, obnoxious protests, uh, you know, at at concerts uh, across the street from the Sprint Center or wherever they choose to go with their stupid pickets. Look at what happened in Charlottesville and how Trump didn't have the anger about all the people and what they did, the neo-Nazis, as Alex Smith had mentioned, uh, some great points. He wasn't angered about that, but he's angered about the NFL players and what they're doing at the protest. And again, I disagree with how the NFL players are going about it during the anthem. I don't, I, I don't like it. But they're not protesting the country or the soldiers. They're, they're protesting social injustice. And let's not forget all the NFL players and all the crimes they've committed. So the NFL and how they're protesting, this is what's angered people. This is what's made them want to stop watching. And they, 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 they finally did it because Trump said something? You really cannot think for yourself? I mean, shame on these people who think this way. And if you're listening to the podcast and, and, and you're you're ignited by this because of Trump's comments, 
shame on you, man. I'm sorry, but if this is what it took for you to make up your mind because of what the president thinks, it just shows you can't really speak for yourself. You really can't. And that's a shame. People are going to pretend to be outraged and burn all their clothes and their tickets. First of all, there are so many people out there who would beg to have some clothes. So instead of hating and burning your things, go donate that to a charity. Weather's starting to get cold. So I think there are some people out there who would love to have the clothing that you don't want. And people also burning their tickets, go sell them. And if you really don't want money to be involved, go, go, go give them to people out there that have never been to an NFL game before that might love them. Because I think there are people out there who would still love to go to a game, regardless of what's going on. And people are burning their things. It's just disgraceful. It really is. It just shows that we're not listening and that we're not working. There's no effort to try to find a solution and to come together to try to find common ground. It's just unfortunate that we are not only divided, but we are doing everything we can, it seems like, to continue to be divided. Let's stop all the hatred. Let's stop all the anger and all the disconnect. Let's listen to each other and let's come together to find solutions on all of this moving forward. Let's go out of bounds. Boy, uh, some bad news with the NCAA. Louisville coach Rick Pitino and athletic director Tom George currently placed on leave after an FBI investigation in which it was discovered there was fraud and corruption that took place as the program bribed players to come to their program and stay stay longer with the program. Uh, Let me just say this. Uh, First of all, it's good that they've been caught, but there are... A lot of institutions where a lot of things happen, and it, it, first of all, it may not get discussed. Secondly, it may not even be known about with people that need to know about this. A lot of universities, programs, athletic programs could do, be doing certain things, and it may not be out there. They may be getting away with it. And, and look, I think it's on the NCAA to try to find a way how they can improve on that. Uh, the NCAA can't track down all the rule breakers and all of its recipients. Uh, I mean, there are just so many. There's, there's a big number. It's just so difficult to track all of that down. Trust me, there are a lot of people that are doing wrong things that that they get away with. I remember uh, there was a KU football player when I was at KU covering the football team for the student newspaper there. There was one player who got arrested uh, had assaulted uh, someone at at a, at a nightclub in Lawrence, and nobody knew about this. KU football issued a press release in an email informing them that they are taking care of this. Nobody knew what was going on, and uh, surely, look, KU football would have loved to take that back because obviously they would love to prevent this from getting out there with the public. Uh, but man, there, that's proof right there that there are certain instances that just don't get out there. Had KU football not even said anything in that press release, not even sent one out, no one would have known about that specific player and what he had done uh, and, and said that became a story at one point. Uh, these things happen everywhere. Uh, that's just one of many examples we could get into. Uh, the NCAA has got to find a way to crack down on this even better because I guarantee you these are happening at other places other institutions and they just don't get caught not all of them get caught Dwayne Wade by the way reunites with LeBron James in Cleveland of course they were teammates in Miami 
went to several championships there, won a couple with the Miami Heat. People criticize Kevin Durant for going to Golden State, leaving Oklahoma City, going to Golden State. But Dwayne Wade joining LeBron in Cleveland doesn't get the criticism when essentially the same thing's happening. And there's nothing wrong with it, by the way. Dwayne Wade and Kevin Durant both left their respective teams. And I know Durant was kind of in a similar situation, but still, they left and they joined championship contending teams. So I don't understand why Kevin Durant got a lot of flack for joining a team that was essentially could have won the finals again. They blew a 3-1 to lead and joins a team and gets all the criticism around the world, especially when he won the finals MVP. But Dwayne Wade, I mean, he's doing the same thing. He's joining a team with LeBron. LeBron did the same thing going to Miami when Chris Bosh also joined there. So, listen, uh, you can't you can't have it both ways. I've said this many times. You guys know me in this subject. You you just can't be so hypocritical and forget about what, what you criticized before. And by the way, while we're at it, it's hard to think that we won't get the same finals matchup for what, a fourth straight year now? I mean, that's how crazy it's gotten. Maybe Oklahoma City could do something, especially with Melo there. But for right now, man, uh, it's hard to go against Golden State in Cleveland in the finals once again. Time to throw some flags. All right, I forgot to do this uh, last podcast, but man... I mentioned Josh Norman on this podcast quite a bit. He went off on Michael Crabtree and Amari Cooper, and apparently they had been trash-talking about Josh Norman, saying that they were going to go off on him in this Redskins defense. They were shut down by that Redskins defense. A stacked, or excuse me, Redskins defense. A stacked Raiders offense. The Redskins limited the Raiders to 128 yards. Crabtree and Cooper each caught one pass for 13 yards combined. They were targeted six more times combined and just struggled connecting with with Carr in this game. So the, the flag goes to Crabtree and Cooper. So I mean, look, I get it. Trash talking is part of sports. But if, if you can't back it up, man, it just looks bad on you. Especially when Norman lashes out the way he did after the game. So... Uh, definitely funny to see, and man, uh, I still think Crabtree and Cooper are, are a great wide receiver duo. They, they just had one bad game, but man, uh, to trash talk like that against Norman just proves to you, man, he, he's really one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL right now, along with Peters and Sherman, but man, uh, Norman let him have it, that's for sure. All right, some drama in the skies. It's back. Uh, another airline in the... This airline actually had one issue at one point. I think every airline had something come up. But Southwest Airlines in the news because security came in. They aggressively took a woman out of a plane. She claimed she was allergic to pets, but had no proof of this, no documentation. And there were two pets on board. One of them was a service dog, and I think another pet was just there to travel along. And... I fly Southwest a lot, and I had never seen a, a, a pet on a plane, so th- that was news to me. Uh, n- listen, neither party was was right on this, the way how it was handled. And, and look, in a situation like that, how do you handle it? She's refusing to get off. She claims that her dad needed to uh, her dad needed surgery, so she, she had to stay on the plane. And because of her uh, making a, a big deal out of her 
her issue essentially being allergic, as she claimed with pets, uh, and making a big deal about it. The plane couldn't take off because of that. It, it was just so. The thing that made me laugh the most, and this is where I'm throwing the flag. There was a flight attendant that's get, get she gets on the intercom and multiple times has asked people to put their phones away. Props to the people who didn't put their phones away. There was one guy whose video they used uh, throughout the media that they've showed this. And you can see other people putting their phones away. This guy didn't. A couple other people didn't. Good for them for not doing so. Because look, man, in these situations, yes, there are security cameras, but they don't always want to show what's happening. Uh, I mean, you're telling people to put their phones away. You're clearly wanting to hide something. And uh, nowadays, given how technologies change with how much video we can really record on a device such as our phones, people have always got to have these things ready. And look, I know a lot of people will say, well, shouldn't you instead of, instead of recording get involved? Hey, look, there are a lot of people that do not want to be physically involved in certain altercations. I understand that. I certainly would not. But in certain situations that need to be documented, that you need to be able to show the faces of who's involved in what they're doing, have your phone out. Don't ever be afraid. Especially if it's at a public place. That's I mean, When you're at a public place, people don't realize this. But let's just say we're at Power and Light in Kansas City. If there is a cameraman that wants to film an event, like if there, like if there's a gathering going on for a concert or, or a sporting event uh, that people are wanting to go there and watch, if the local media, if they send their camera crew out there to film fans, it's the pub, it's a public area. P- uh, cameraman photographers have the right to photograph anyone they want to. That are out there in the public. People don't realize this, but that is allowed. It really is. So, uh, look, uh, when you're at a public place, I mean, such as Southwest Airlines on a plane, uh, people have the right to record what's going on in in those situations. So props to anyone who was on there that didn't put their phones away because you've got to document this stuff and it needs to be shown. And, again, the way they were kind of pushing this lady, maybe not necessary. I also understand she was not being very cooperative. That makes things difficult for police officers to do their jobs the way that they want to do it. Uh, that's why it's important to have a video, a recording of that situation. That's it for this episode of the Chief Zone Podcast. I am Farzi Vasugi, and thank you guys, as always, for downloading and listening to the podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes and Google Play. Let your friend know about the Chief Zone Podcast. Let everyone know about it. Let everyone join in on the fun. Still, a lot of discussions. So I appreciate that. It means you guys are still watching football. You guys are still with me. So that's good. We know that none of you guys are really outraged, even if you want to pretend to be. So keep it up. Let's keep it up going. Let a friend know. Share it on social media. Also interact with me on social media. Facebook.com slash Vesugian. Follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. You guys can also email me. Farzine at FarzineVesugian.com. Big thanks once again to Matt Miller of BleacherReport.com for joining us here on the program and a big thanks to you guys for listening to the podcast enjoy your weekend enjoy monday night football i'll be back on wednesday to recap monday night football and we will also do a preview episode uh the next day as we will preview the game between the chiefs and the texans on Sunday night football but for now chiefs getting ready monday night football at arrowhead against the redskins if you're going to be at the game enjoy it have fun if you're watching from home, same thing. Have fun watching this game. It's going to be a good one. Till then, I'll talk to you next week. Take care.